0: This is a Snow India production and you are listening to Dear Pari. When we set out to produce Dear Pari season 2, we were sure we wanted to feature 4-year-old Shania who was adopted by Kaushami. Shania was born intersex which means they were born with both reproductive organs and are often mistaken to be transgender or third sex. Transgender refers to those people who have a gender identity or gender expression that differs from the assigned sex. Some transgender people who desire medical assistance to transition from one sex to another identify as transsexual. Activists say that at least 10,000 babies are born with intersex traits in India every year and awareness is low on the clear distinction between intersex and transgender. This problem is further compounded with the society's pressure to assign a sex to the child at birth and often parents are offered surgery as the only option by doctors who term the same as corrective procedures. It is in this context this story of Kaushumi and Shanaya is important. Kaushumi is from Bangalore and is a single mother who is breaking through all stereotypes. Kaushumi refers to her children as they and sometimes uses pronouns he, she interchangeably. Hi, this is Rakesh Kamal.
1: Hi, this is Padma Priya.
0: Host of your favorite adoption podcast, Dear Pari.
1: when you decided to adopt and adopt as a single mom did you know that you were going to get an intersex child?
2: When I registered for adoption a couple of years ago I had registered for a two to four year old male child in the healthy category. Two to four because as a single working parent I felt that that would be an age where both me and my child would be more comfortable getting into a daycare Program Right from the beginning, healthy because uh, as a single working parent, I wasn't sure whether I will be able to give as much of myself physically, emotionally, financially to a special needs child, uh, not because I didn't want a, a special need child, but because I thought that I would not be able to do justice. So post my home study report, I went on the wait list and I was on the waiting list for about a year and a half. In the month of February, I joined a lot of Facebook groups in anticipation that I will get my child home probably in the next six months. So I wanted to prepare myself, understand from other uh, adoptive parents. And that's where I came across a lot of parents who have adopted special needs child. And it made me rethink my decision. So I kind of started browsing the special needs category list to see if there is a particular special needs that I feel that I am or I will be a little bit more equipped to handle rather than a severe special needs. For example, I still know that if a child has cerebral palsy, I will not have the time or the bandwidth to do justice to the child's needs. But if there is a need that I can do justice to, then I would want to consider that. So she said, uh, Madam, I understand your uh, request for more information, but let me tell you up front that she is transgender. And uh, so I said, okay, can you tell me more about it? And she said, no, I don't think you heard me right. She is transgender. So I said, yeah, I heard you, right? And I do know what transgender is, so can you tell me a little bit more? She sent me a video of the child. And uh, so I I told her that I'm going to review the files again and uh, I'm going to think about it, discuss it with my family. And then I'm going to get back to her. Um, So on the 1st of March, I took about a couple of days to think over it spoke to my mother, spoke to my brother, spoke to a lot of other adoptive parents, uh, did a lot of research on the internet about medical terminologies. And then after a couple of days, I went back to them and I said that, okay, I'm resolving the child. Um, and that's how the journey started. I reached the place on Monday. I met them on Tuesday. The entire first half of the day, There were multiple people from uh, the agency, the directors, various other committee members met me, interviewed me, uh, gave me a third degree grill to understand uh, my psychology and why I would want to adopt, um, quote unquote, such a child. And um, then they let me meet her. And uh, then we bonded very well in the first couple of days. So
1: one of the things that you mentioned uh was the you know the people at the agency uh this lady referred to her as as a transgender whereas somebody i mean transgender is not the same as intersex so was their understanding of uh the situation also very um i mean just like you know i'm just trying to get a sense like did they have any understanding in about her condition and uh You know, what was sort of like, did they advise you on anything when you um, chose to adopt her?
2: The awareness part is close to zero. So the fact that uh, they have all the medical papers, but they don't know what the medical papers say.
1: Kaushmi says the lack of awareness among the Child Welfare Committee about what an intersex child, as opposed to transgender, was very evident when she was referred to her child.
2: To be fair on them with the limited resources that they had, They were very thorough with all the tests that they have done. But personally, their knowledge is close to none. So it was more of me who was advising them on what her needs are than them advising me on it.
1: So it's been what, like a few months now since your child has been home? How has it been for you? It's been easy in
2: a lot of ways than I had thought it would be. It's also been difficult in a lot of ways which I had not even anticipated. So my bonding with my child is something that I did not expect to happen this much this soon. But I am glad that it has happened. However, as a single working woman, I wasn't really prepared for the realities of the emotional needs that a child would have. For example, if my child does not like to eat at all. So feeding takes hours. On the emotional front, it has been extremely difficult. And at the same time, it's been very, very rewarding. I have to still figure out a lot of triggers. And it's a constant journey of uh, constant exploration, rather, I would say, of figuring out, both for her as well as me.
1: Right. Um, Before we, you know, when when we were talking about scheduling this interview, one of the things that you said is that you want to actually create conversation around intersex children and actually adopting intersex children. What made you come to this decision? Were some of these uh, really tough situations that you had to change in the last few months, one of the reasons why you are, you are you know, willing to speak up about it?
2: Me, as a person, I have always been friend with LGBTQIA um, community. Even within my organization, the LGBTQIA community that we have, I am an ally so i have been extremely um, close to them i know a lot of them and uh, i i truly don't think that any it is anything out of the ordinary i honestly feel that the human psychology has been brainwashed to um, think of gender and sex only in binary terms that if you are not completely male or completely female then you are not normal or rather let's say you are abnormal. So I've never thought of that. Now what made me take this plunge, when I knew that the road ahead is going to be pretty difficult for both of us, I knew one thing. My limited interaction with adoptive parents, prospective adoptive parents over the last five months have proven me right. In India, nobody adopts a child who is intersex. The few children, intersex children, in India who have been adopted, have been adopted by foreign parents. Me and another lady in Andhra Pradesh are the only two people who have adopted an intersex child in India. Uh, The other lady is actually the social worker who was taking care of the child at the institution who's decided to adopt. And I'm the only other person. So there was no question in my mind that I wouldn't do it. And that's primarily the reason I also want to advocate for intersex children's adoption. From the little data that I am aware of, till last year, there were about uh, 59 children in the Central Adoption Agency purview who were adoptable and intersex. Now there are 57 because two of them we have adopted. And I want to spread the awareness about them so that they can also find loving homes.
1: When you meet parents um, or friends and peers, do you tell that your child is intersex? What is the reaction usually when you tell people that that your daughter is intersex?
2: 99% don't know what it means. So then I have to get into the technicalities to explain to them what intersex means. And it leaves them more shocked and aghast than anything else. Uh, then the reaction comes, oh, you're so brave, oh, you're so courageous, oh, you're so noble, and I cringe at each of those words. It generally comes from a place of a lot of ignorance rather than a place of uh, spitefulness. It's just that people don't know what intersex is. But I am very, very open about it, which my mother is very against. But for me, my child, being intersex is... Nothing out of the ordinary.
1: Just talking about, you know, this is a very, very, um, of course, very important topic. And I'm glad, you know, you're out there speaking to us on our platform. You know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned there are like 57 other children waiting in the, in the adoption pool who are intersex and waiting to be adopted. But they probably came into the adoption system because they were born intersex. How do you think we can tackle this lack of understanding around intersex children and, or people who are born intersex? Like, what is it that we can do together to sort of tackle this, this lack of information, honestly? That's what it is.
2: According to some surveys and research that has been done, about one in every 2,000 children are born with some variation of intersex. The fact that so many children in India could potentially be intersex children and adults, but only 57 of them are there in our system. I take it as positive because it means that there are a lot of them who have been accepted by their families and are still with their families, even if it means that it is not out in the society for everybody to know. It could also mean that a lot of intersex people are still suffering silently. So coming back to your question, how can we spread awareness? by generally talking about it. And uh, that's why I felt and I'm looking for forums where I could talk more about it and reach as many people as possible. I'm um, also starting a Facebook page, uh, which would be dedicated to intersex children and adoption of intersex children as well. So these are the ways that I feel that I can contribute to it, but there's a lot more that needs to happen. and. A lot more when I say I mean a lot more discussion, a lot more openness.
1: One of the other things that I want to ask about is, I'm sure that, you know, when the medical tests were done and when you consulted with doctors, they probably advised you to go ahead and get like a surgery done, the gender assignment surgery. Is that something that you're considering? Because I remember, again, when we were talking before this interview, you said that that's a decision that you actually want to leave for your child. How did you reach to that point where you're saying no? This is this is her, you know, her right to decide.
2: So um, there are multiple factors to the question that you asked me. One is that yes, there has been a lot of pressure on me by the judicial system, by the medical fraternity, and by my family, close family members as well, to get the gender assignment surgery done as soon as possible. The reasons that they give are not invalid. They are all valid reasons that the child would be less confused in future. It is going to be easier for the child to recuperate after such a surgery at a young age. The child is not going to face any peer pressure or any kind of social stigma when the child gets into a school. Um, will not be made fun of, ridiculed, etc. So, those are all valid points, and I'm not dismissing them in any way. However, I have done a lot of research in the last four or five months. I have read articles from the perspective of those who are pro the surgery. I have read articles and testimonials from those who are anti the surgery. And one thing that has resonated with me the most is that i am an extremely independent person and i'm an extremely opinionated person would i like another person a third person to make a decision on my body is the question that i had to ask myself and if that decision is a life-altering decision would i be happy with a third person making that decision without any kind of input from me, no. know. I would like to give my child the same respect. So I want to accord my child the same respect that I would want to be accorded. The last thing is, just from a maternal instinct perspective, I don't want my child to undergo any surgery, which is not absolutely needed for my child's survival.
1: Just moving the track a bit away um, and towards the, the Juvenile Justice Act and towards Kara itself, how well-equipped uh, do you think they are to sort of explain to prospective adoptive parents about what an intersex child is and why, you know, adopting an intersex child is, is as normal as adopting any other kid? Do you think that one, that CARA is sort of equipped to have these conversations with the prospective adoptive parents? The Juvenile Justice Act in itself, I don't think, specifies anything um, for children who are born intersex. And, you know, the numbers, like you rightly pointed out, could be much higher than what we are saying, right? Like what we're talking about. So just looking at the law and also looking at this implementing body, which is CARA, do you think they're actually equipped to sort of understand the needs of intersex children, as well as explaining those needs to the parents?
2: I don't want this to be particularly about intersex, but I want this awareness to be about all the special needs children. First of all, I think intersex children should not even be put on the special needs. If you put them in the special needs list, then you are typecasting them. If you want society to behave in a certain manner, you need to build the infrastructure and the support systems first. So that once society knows that there is, adequate incentive for them to behave in a certain way. Today, why will people adopt special needs children in India when we do not have the infrastructure and the support system to take care of them? We do not have a healthcare uh, program that uh, is sensitive towards the need of special needs children. We do not have health insurance. Companies who are willing to insure special needs children, children with congenital uh, conditions. So, why would parents want to take on this kind of a financial burden on them? If the education system is not open to taking in special needs children and giving them the same platform that they give to not special needs children, then why would parents want to take on um, the responsibility of a child's education in alternate ways. So I think the government needs to do more than just paying lip service, which it is doing right now, in terms of coming up with these infrastructures and support systems, if they want the society to be more accepting and uh, welcoming of special needs children in their lives.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Pari. For more updates, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, sunoindia.in. As independent producers, we rely on you, our listeners, to support us. So please support us generously on our supporters page.
1: As always, I would like to thank Team Suno India for their support in putting together these episodes. Rakesh Kamal, a production lead for editing. Taran Nirwan, our digital lead for technical support, Kunika Balotra and Vaishali Pandian for research and reportage, Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, and Priyanka Kumar for the incredible artwork.
2: Subscribe to